What is the smoking gun that is causing these huge judgments against Monsanto? I mean, I think that's going to change everything. I wouldn't be surprised if Monsanto goes bankrupt. Why is it so clear that it was caused by glyphosate that these people won gangster money? That is an excellent question. And I was actually surprised. I was sort of skeptical that they were going to be able to win those uh, because they've done a good job of suppressing the information about the link between glyphosate and non Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to The Vibe Show. I'm your host, Robin Openshaw, author of the best-selling book, Vibe. And today, I'm very excited to be introducing you to Dr. Stephanie Seneff, She's a senior research scientist at MIT's Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab in Cambridge, Massachusetts. She has degrees in biology and electrical engineering and computer science, and she's been studying for many years now the role of toxic chemicals and corresponding micronutrient deficiencies in human health and disease, and she's really been going deep in recent years, and I've heard her on some outstanding interviews where she's studying the pervasive herbicide that hundreds of millions of tons have been dumped all over the world. We're talking about Roundup. We're talking about glyphosate and the connection to what happens in our body with the mineral sulfur and other mechanisms going on. Dr. Seneff has authored over 30 peer-reviewed journal papers over the last few years on these topics, and I think you're going to find this topic very interesting. So Dr. Seneff, welcome to The Vibe Show. I'm so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about, with your background, it's pretty interesting that you've become such a world-renowned expert on toxic environmental chemicals. Um, What got you interested in this, and how long have you been studying that? Tell us more. Okay, yeah. Well, it actually goes way back when my children were very young, and I had my best friend at the time had a son, uh, a young son who got a vaccine, a DPT shot, and ran a high fever. And a week later, he had seizures, and then he was later diagnosed with autism. So it kind of planted a seed in my mind back in the early 1980s. Um, that was before, you know, 1986 when the vaccines got a reprieve. So I was interested in autism, paying attention to it, noticed the rates going up in the 2000s, you know, between 2000, 2010, rates were, were steadily climbing. People were saying, oh, we're just diagnosing it more. But I didn't think so. I thought something was going on. I got interested in looking at the vaccine adverse event reporting system that the FDA puts out, which is a very interesting database of vaccine damage, uh, various re- reactions to vaccines. Um, and I was trying to see if I could figure out a link between vaccines and autism. I worked on that for about five years, looking at other toxic chemicals in the environment as well. Um, and at, at that point, I knew a lot about autism, and I knew that the things I had found were not the right answer. They weren't, certainly weren't the whole story. I was looking for something else. And it was in, I think, 2012 that I attended a two-hour presentation by Professor Don Huber, um, he's an expert on glyphosate. Glyphosate was a word I didn't know when I walked into the room. And by the end of the, of the uh, lecture, I was convinced I had found the answer. It was that clear. I mean, he just talked about ways in which glyphosate disrupts and they fit very well with the things I was seeing in autism. I could recognize that it matched. And I, and I understood that then the glyphosate's usage had been going up dramatically 
over the same time period as autism rates were climbing. So it fits in terms of the you know, statistics of the epidemiology. And anything that fits is certainly a candidate to look at. You know, we have many chemicals like lead that have actually gone down. We don't use lead in the gasoline so much anymore. So we have a less exposure. You would expect uh, that lead could cause autism, but uh, it's not the reason for the epidemic, in my opinion. And so um, I really got excited about that. I hadn't, of course, thought of round. I knew Roundup, but I hadn't thought of it as being, uh, it wasn't a list, it wasn't on my candidate list of toxic chemicals because I, like everybody else, I believed it was completely safe. And once he opened my eyes, I started studying everything I could about glyphosate. And I met up with, um, actually Dr. Mercola introduced me to Anthony Samsel and he and I have had a long collaboration with six papers published um, looking into glyphosate and uh, disease and finding all kinds of answers. So I feel very confident at this point uh, that glyphosate is causing not only autism, but a huge list of other diseases that are going up dramatically exactly in step with glyphosate. I think it is a primary cause of all the health issues that we're having today uh, with healthcare costs running out of sight and so many Americans getting bizarre diseases like chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, rapid increases in Alzheimer's. All of these things I think are a primary cause of the epidemic is glyphosate. Okay, so glyphosate is um, also known as Roundup. Well, it's the brand name Roundup, and it's in, what, 700 of the IDES? IDES like, you know, being insecticides, pesticides. Uh, yes, yes. There's many different brands that have glyphosate in them with various uh, formulations that have other toxic chemicals there as well. And people have studied those other toxic chemicals, which are not being, have not been evaluated for safety. Uh, they mix them in with the glyphosate and they make the glyphosate much more toxic. And they're also toxic in and of themselves. And Professor Seralini in France has written a lot of papers with collaborators um, it, it, focusing on not only glyphosate, but also the other chemicals in the, in the, uh, in the formulations um, that are also um, causing trouble. Professor Seralini in France, I'm not aware of um, that work, that body of work, but that probably is why France has pledge to ban glyphosate in the next three years, which I think is super inspiring. And it shows that we can we can do that. Yes, I agree. I think the French are much more aware of the toxicity because of Seralini's work. He's quite famous there. And Austria also has decided actually to ban glyphosate. They have officially banned it, which is really awesome because to have a European company country ban glyphosate to me is very, very exciting. That's going to set the stage for other countries to think about doing that as well. I believe that Costco has also um, stated that it will ban all products that are sprayed with glyphosate in the next, I want to say, three years. Have you heard that too? I think it's that they will not sell uh, the formulations that contain glyphosate. I don't think they're going to ban all the products. If they ban all the products, they won't have anything to sell because almost everything contains glyphosate. I mean, it is so pervasive in our food supply. So I think it's just banning the... Um, you know, you can't buy the Roundup to spray on your dandelions, basically, from Costco. Okay. Well, that's not as good as what I was hoping uh, Costco was going to do, but at, at a minimum, they should refuse to sell it. That's And they're fantastic with respect to organic. We buy a lot of our organic food at Costco. They've really, they've outdone Whole Foods at this point in terms of their volume of sales of organic foods. Oh, I agree. Um, when I put greensmoothiegirl.com up 13 years ago, I had to teach people how to you know, go around town and find organics. And now thanks to Costco, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of um, organic brands. And, and I'm a huge fan of just buying organic so that we send a message with our dollars to 
the supply chain that that's what we want. We have to do that. Absolutely. I think if you, even if you don't believe glyphosate's toxic, buy organic in order to force the farmers to grow organic because glyphosate is certainly harming the environment and just to protect the environment. If you don't care about protecting yourself, fine, but don't, you know, protect the environment as well. So spend the extra money. I think you get back the money in spades because you don't get sick. It's, it, you, you can get, burn a lot of dollars once you've got something like diabetes or Alzheimer's disease. You know, you're really going to have a very costly disease that's going to be debilitating as well if you don't eat organic. So it feels like to me that it's a no-brainer to buy organic. We, we never, when we shop, we always uh, look for the certified organic label, even for our spices and our, our beer and our wine. Everything is organic in our household. Yeah, and you have options now. That's another thing that's different about 13 years ago is um, besides the options, you also have that it's not much more expensive. I mean, I used to, you know, when I was a young mother on a on a budget, uh, I would be like, well, I'll, I'll spend 50% more on organic. That's what I can afford. And now, you know, the more we buy organic, the, the lower the cost gets. And in fact, in some cases, the organic isn't any more expensive. And we've done that in a decade. So... I think that's exciting. Well, let's back up and and you know you've studied all these toxic environmental environmental chemicals in our air, food, water, environment products, and you've zeroed in on this one particular chemical. You've been one of the world's uh, leaders in you know waving the flag and saying, "Hey, we have to reduce our glyphosate." use. Why, why glyphosate? Is it because we're using it so much or is it because it's literally that much more toxic than everything else? Tell us more about that. It's kind of both. And, and the thing is, it's insidiously toxic and it's, uh, it's subtle. So its toxicity doesn't hit you over the head, which is why they've been able to get by with pretending that it's not toxic. I think the Monsanto people know that it's toxic and it's toxic in a unique and insidious way that is devastating over time, but it takes time for the disease to develop. And I will get into this much more later because I believe I'm almost I'm very confident now that I'm right, uh, that glyphosate is uh, it's a it's an amino acid. It's an amino acid analog of glycine. And glycine is the smallest amino acid. It has no side chains. The amino acids are the, are the building blocks of proteins. I believe glyphosate is is getting inserted into the proteins by mistake in place of the amino acid glycine. And since it has a bulky methylphosphonyl group attached to its nitrogen atom, it messes things up. Certain proteins at certain spots, if you put a bulky you know, methylphosphonyl group in place in the protein, you'll, me- you'll make the protein unable to function. And you may even make it misfold into something like amyloid beta plaque. So it's, it's disrupting our proteins throughout our body. It's accumulating in our tissues, and it's a slow kill. And this is what makes it so... Uh, insidious because people don't realize they're being poisoned. You don't, you eat food containing glyphosate. Most people don't really notice anything. So they think they're fine, but it's happening slowly. This is what I think makes it so dangerous. And of course, it's also gone up exponentially. It's been going up dramatically over the past 20 years, exactly in step with the dramatic rise in a whole bunch of diseases. And I'm a computer scientist. I've looked at statistics on diseases and there's a huge list. Autism matches absolutely perfectly with a 0.997 correlation coefficient between the, the, the two plots of the rise in autism in first grade and the rise in the use of glyphosate over the previous, integrated over the previous four years. Perfect match. This gives you very strong evidence of cor- you know, correlation doesn't always mean causation. Everyone's reminding us of that all the time. But if you see that kind of correlation, immediately you should think there may be a causal relationship. And with my studies, I have shown incredible numbers of 
features of autism, very specific features that I can explain through glyphosate toxicity. It's, it's really a beautiful match. Okay, I'm going to go back and you've said a lot there. And so I'm going to ask you for more detail on a few things. The first one I'll ask you about is this idea that with glycine being the smallest amino acid, sounds like you're saying that glyphosate mimics the amino acid and this causes the protein to be unable to function and even to fold. You want to say more about that in layperson's terms? So, so some pro proteins get affected in different ways depending upon which glycine residue gets substituted. And that's one thing I'm digging into the research literature to find. Uh, you can find various proteins where uh, you can see that somebody has a genetic mutation where a glycine got swapped out for something else particularly glycine for glutamate or glycine for or aspartate because glutamate and aspartate are very similar to glyphosate in terms of their physical properties. So that's a good model for what would happen if gly glycine was substituted by glyphosate. You're yeah. talking about another neurotoxic chemical. No, I'm talking about a genetic mutation, which can be caused by a neurotoxic chemical. But when a child has a, a mutated gene, they don't have the, the common form of that gene. So each, each, you know, each protein has a code for it. It has a specific sequence of amino acids that it that are changed together to make that protein. It's fascinating how biology works. And when a person has a mutation in some gene, then that protein may be dysfunctional and that can cause horrendous diseases in some cases, depending upon which amino acid got swapped out. And so um, I can find proteins where glycines get substituted by specific amino acids that I know are very similar to glyphosate. And if that is causing some major disease, then I can assume that glyphosate is going to cause some much more benign version, version of that same disease because glyphosate is not going to substitute for all the proteins that are produced. It's going to be random hits over your body, but, each, but there are many, many different proteins that are affected. So it's a very complex effect of glyphosate because you basically are putting bullets and proteins throughout your body. And uh, some of the proteins get severely disabled by those bullets. And in particular, for example, with Alzheimer's amyloid beta, amyloid beta has been studied. That's the amyloid beta plaque that is associated with Alzheimer's that builds up in the brain. It's a misfolded protein. That protein normally folds into something called um, alpha helices, which can go into the membrane of the cell. If those glycine, it has a, a sequence within it that they've identified as the toxic component of the protein. And if you substitute the glycines within that, within that sequence with uh, another amino acid, the protein misfolds into something called beta sheets, which are soluble. And the beta sheets collect in the cytoplasm rather than going into the membrane. And if too many of them collect, they, they glom together and form these fi fibrils that precipitate out. So if you substitute glyphosate for the glycines in that stretch of that protein, you're gonna make it misfold, you're gonna cause uh, amyloid beta plaque, you're gonna cause Alzheimer's very straightforward. Okay, so talk a little bit about the evidence of the connection between um, meteoric rise in glyphosate in the environment and Alzheimer's, since you've touched on that. Not just Alzheimer's, but I would imagine probably there's a link to the meteoric rise in a lot of neurodegenerative diseases. Am I right? You are. I think so. In fact, I think depression as well, and even violent uh, behavior. I think all these shootouts that we're having lately, I suspect that glyphosate's a major player in that because it, that's partly because it disrupts serotonin supply. Serotonin is, um, is a feel-good hormone, and it's, um, it's deficient. It's been shown to be deficient in people who, who commit violent behavior, including suicide, by the way. We have high suicide rates as well. I think... Um, 
serotonin deficiency is caused by glyphosate, first of all, because it disrupts a pathway in the microbes and in the plants called the shikimate pathway. That pathway produces the aromatic amino acids, tryptophan, tyrosine, and phenylalanine. Tryptophan is a direct precursor to serotonin. And serotonin is mostly manufactured in the gut. And it's then sent to the brain, uh, shipped to the brain to supply uh, the brain serotonin. Ser the brain also makes serotonin, but most of it is made in the gut. And the gut microbes, uh, the gut depends upon the gut microbes to supply the tryptophan. Worse than that, uh, glyphosate disrupts the balance of the gut microbes to encourage the growth of pathogens. And pathogens induce an immune response, which, is a, which sort of activates macrophages, which are the immune cells. And the immune cells suck up the tryptophan, turn it into something called chimurinine in storage. So you not only have depleted tryptophan supply, you also have loss of tryptophan into those macrophages. So you end up with a severe deficiency in serotonin. That's linked to depression as well, and also to obesity. So depression, obesity, violent behavior, suicide can all be linked to serotonin deficiency, which can be directly linked to glyphosate. You know, since this can get pretty depressing, we should pause and talk about something kind of hopeful. Uh, Jeffrey Smith, who I'm sure is a friend of yours as well, we've we've interviewed him here. It's qu been quite some time, but um, he quotes some research. I wonder if you are aware of it, where you can clear the body of glyphosate fairly quickly. Can you help us with that a little bit? I don't believe that, by the way, because the glyphosate that's embedded in the proteins that's all over your body is extremely difficult to clear, I believe. Um, it, again, the research hasn't been done, but I can imagine that proteins are getting substituted by glyphosate, and then they're becoming resistant to proteolysis. So the body recognizes that this protein is broken, and it wants to clear it, but it can't because the glyphosate is disrupting the enzyme that breaks, it, breaks apart the, uh, the protein into individual amino acids. And so I think that's really, really bad because I don't know how to get rid of the glyphosate that's in those, uh, embedded in those proteins. But in terms of the glyphosate that you're consuming on a daily basis, I think there is hope. Of course, eating organic is number one, right? Just avoid getting it in the first place. Um, but there is some research on uh, various, um, you know, people are promoting certain products that they claim help to remove the glyphosate. And I hope they're right, you know. I think so there's probiotics involved. There's uh, fulvic acid and humic acid, which are organic matter from the soil. Sometimes it's spores, bacterial spores, which can get past the, the stomach. Because when you take probiotics, you waste a lot of them because the stomach acid kills them. It's hard to get them past the stomach. But they can certainly play a role in the, in the oral cavity before they hit the stomach. And I suspect actually perhaps some kinds of bacteria that can metabolize glyphosate is one that I'm very interested in. The idea of consuming a bacteria that can metabolize glyphosate. And I've heard that there are only a few, by the way, that can break it down. Um, and one of them is a species of acetobacter. And acetobacter is commonly found in uh, apple cider vinegar, sauerkraut, these kinds of fermented foods. So I am suspecting that uh, if you eat those foods, uh, the acetobacter can help to metabolize glyphosate. So I, I definitely, I like to have uh, apple cider vinegar every day if I can, you know, to sort of hope that I'll be clearing whatever glyphosate uh, I'm exposed to. Another thing is um, non-enzymatic uh, breakdown of glyphosate, which is interesting. So studies have shown that um, chlorine, uh, ozone, and chlorine dioxide are able to break down glyphosate. And it's actually really fortunate that chlorine breaks it down because chlorine is commonly used in water treatment plants. So I think that we're, we're much less poisoned by glyphosate through the water supply than we would otherwise be because of our routine use of chlorine 
in the water treatment plants. And we're using it to kill the bacteria, but we're also hopefully killing the glyphosate as well. Okay, so you're not saying drink chlorine, you're saying- No, chlorine is very poisonous. You don't want to go near it. You don't, you don't, definitely don't want to drink it, but at least they're using it in the, in the water um, purification system. So they're using it, it's um, having an effect on the glyphosate, so it's neutralizing that, but then of course you want to put your water through filtration so that you're not drinking the chlorine, yes? Right. I mean, okay. you've, got to, you've got to really treat your, your water these days. It's too bad that there's so many toxic chemicals out there that, you know, um, we depend on. We have a pretty good system in this country. There's a lot of uh, effort that goes into making sure the water's, of course, we, we don't always succeed. We just have this big problem with lead right now in, uh, in New Jersey, right? I just heard about this uh, lead. I heard about this last night, but we had the lead in, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, I forgot the name of the town in the Midwest that had a really big problem with uh, lead in the water. So we're not always succeeding, but we're certainly conscious of the need to clean the water. And we have water treatment plants that are fairly sophisticated. So most of the water supply in this country is a lot better than it would otherwise be. Well, the biggest thing I wanted to go into is, can you give us an overview of the ways that glyphosate, according to your research, leads to autism? What are all the different mechanisms? What have you learned? <laughs> That's a very, very complicated question. I've learned, you know, so many, it's hard to even know where to start. But I actually identified early on when I started looking at autism, one of the things I picked up on early was a sulfate deficiency problem and some kind of a disruption of the sulfate system in the body. Sulfur, of course, is a, is a, is a essential nutrient. Um, it's deficient in the modern diet. It, it's actually uh, glyphosate. And, and, and one of the things that Don Huber showed is that glyphosate severely disrupts the uptake of sulfur into the plants. So this means that the plants that we eat that are exposed to glyphosate are deficient in sulfur to start with. Sulfur, the, um, that's an, an actual atom in the periodic table. It's an element. You know, It's one of the basic elements, sulfur. So sulfur combines with oxygen to form sulfate, SO4 minus two. It's four oxygens, one sulfur, negative two charge. Sulfate is super, super important in the body for many, many things. One of them is to detoxify uh, many toxic chemicals, in particular, for example, to de detoxify mercury. So mercury has been linked to autism in the vaccines. And mercury, of course, in the teeth, you know, the, if the mother has a lot of cavities that are filled with mercury, then the mercury can get into her system and can get into the fetus. Um, mercury uh, depends on sulfation for uh, export. So it gets sulfated by the liver and then it gets removed. If the sulfation system isn't working, then the mercury gets converted to methylmercury by the gut microbes. And that is very, a very toxic form of mercury. So glyphosate is working synergistically with mercury to cause harm, for example. So I believe glyphosate disrupts sulfate at many, many stages. It disrupts sulfate synthesis. It disrupts sulfate transport. It disrupts sulfate transfer from one molecule to another. And um, it probably uh, disrupts sulfate uptake as well. I'm not as sure about that, but basically it really, really messes up sulfate. And uh, one of the key features of uh, autism that was identified early on, Rosemary Waring wrote, wrote some papers back in the 1990s even, where she was talking about a clear disruption of the sulfate system. And in particular, the autistic kids that she looked at had a 50 fold, 50 times as much sulfite in their urine as the control kids, 50 fold. And so she was suspecting that sulfite oxidase was messed up in the gut. Sulfite oxidase is super, super important for converting sulfite to sulfate. And if it's not working, then you get sulfite toxicity because sulfite is very reactive and very toxic. And what will typically happen is that you will develop microbes in the gut that convert sulfite into hydrogen sulfide gas. 
because the sulfide oxidase is busted, sulfide builds up, the microbes that can convert it to hydrogen sulfide gas overgrow. And this is microbes like desulfovibrio and bilophila. These microbes have been shown to be uh, overexpressed in the autistic gut. And the hydrogen sulfide gas becomes toxic as well. And that's how you get the bloating and the discomfort that these autistic kids experience. One of the reasons is because of the hydrogen sulfide gas. And they become sensitive to sulfur-containing foods so often there will be an elimination diet that gets, you know, tries to minimize this, their exposure to sulfur, which is going to drive them into an increasing problem of sulfur deficiency systemically. Okay, I've been reading about the link between uh, folks suffering with autism and gut dysbiosis, but maybe just talk about the fact that if you've got this exposure to glyphosate due to eating conventional you know, sprayed produce and PS animal products have even higher levels of glyphosate in it. Processed food have even higher levels of glyphosate in it. Don't think that just because it's a weird Franken food that it doesn't have glyphosate in it. I worry about the animal-based products because they're going to have glyphosate embedded in their proteins and their proteins are much more similar to our proteins than the plant-based products are. So people can end up with autoimmune disease because they have a glyphosate contaminated protein that they ate, for example, in a hamburger. And then their, their body reacts to that and develops, it, it develops antibodies to this strange protein that has glyphosate in it. And then that causes autoimmune attack on their own tissues because their proteins are much more similar to the proteins of an animal than they are to the proteins of a plant. There's more, much more likelihood of, of a problem with molecular mimicry. Talk a little bit about that molecular mimicry and clarify for us. Did you just say that eating animal products would be more potentially more harmful than sprayed conventional produce? Yes, but I, I mean, the, the produce is contaminated for sure. And, and in fact, it's interesting which produce. I just want to give a little aside here because uh, lentils and peas and chickpeas, these kinds of products are extremely high. The Canadian government has tested a lot of foods for glyphosate and they found extremely high levels in these um, legumes, uh, which I was surprised by. And then I realized that they're spraying them right before harvest with glyphosate. So they're spraying legumes, they're spraying wheat, they're spraying barley um, right before harvest and so and oats. So all of these things are coming up with very high levels of glyphosate. Oat-based products such as Cheerios, oatmeal, oatmeal cookies, these things are coming up with very high levels of glyphosate. So you have to really watch out. If you're buying oats, you really need to buy organic. And that's a popular food with children. Um, the meats, I think, probably have on average less glyphosate, but I'm not sure. Lots of times it's hard to measure in protein because proteins, uh, glyphosate embedded in proteins can be missed. And this is something that Monsanto researchers figured out a long time ago. In 1989, um, they produced a, a document which was not published, but Anthony Samsel got a hold of it through the Freedom of Information Act. And we wrote about it in our sixth paper together. This document was very, very interesting. It was Monsanto researchers who were looking at the question of whether glyphosate accumulates in the tissues. And what they did is they used bluegill sunfish, it's a fish, and they exposed them to radio-labeled glyphosate. And then they uh, took samples of the tissue and, and detected whether there was the radio-label. So they found radio-label in multiple tissues, which means that it is accumulating in the tissues. Although Monsanto executives deny this, they say glyphosate goes straight through, doesn't accumulate. They know it does from this experiment. So then they had this radio label and then they said, well, let's measure for glyphosate. You can use the regular tech, you know, technology that measures for glyphosate. 
and they came up short. They only came up with 20% of the radio label that could be accounted for. Back up and tell us what this radio label is. So you can actually change the glyphosate molecule or any molecule. You can, you can put a carbon-14 in there that will be able to be traced. So you change it in a slight way. If you use one of these radioactive versions of a particular element, so you can put carbon-14 in there, then you, this is a very common te uh, technique that they use to be able to trace something because you can see the radio label very, very easily. And that can guarantee that, you know, that carbon, that carbon atom got to that spot and is there because you see that carbon-14 label. It's a way to be able to trace things very clearly. Gly measuring for glyphosate is a different thing. And you can see the glyphosate even if it's not radio labeled, but you have to use a technique that can fail because if the glyphosate is tied up in the protein, you won't see it. It has to be an individual molecule. You have to shake it loose from its protein chain in order to be able to see it. And that's what these researchers discovered because they added proteolysis enzymes to this tissue. And, and, help, and the proteolysis enzymes would break the protein down back into individual amino acids, which is what they needed to do in order to free up the glyphosate so you could see it with the standard technique. And once they did that, they were able to recover 70% of the radio label as glyphosate still missing 30%, which is probably still bound in the proteins and unable to be broken down because glyphosate disrupts the ability to break the proteins down. That's what I would hypothesize. Okay, and there are other diseases that you feel are highly correlated to the rise in glyphosate use. Before, before we go to that though, how much glyphosate have we actually dumped on the planet measured in tons? Do you know? Oh my, I really should have that number at the top tip of my tongue, but I don't. It is humongously big. Every time I see it, I'm blown away, but I haven't managed to remember exactly what it is. The U.S. uses uh, more per person than any other country in the world. We, are, we love glyphosate. We're very heavy consumers of glyphosate. And Canada is, is a close second. And in fact, the Canadian government, when they did their tests on contaminations in food, they found that the US and Canada were superstars. They were the ones who had the highest levels of glyphosate very consistently. And they looked at imports from Europe, imports from Mexico. They were much, much lower, consistently much, much lower. Mexico was right in line with Europe, which was quite interesting. So I would say if you can't afford organic, buy something that's imported from Mexico and you're probably gonna have less glyphosate in it. Oh, and that's a terrifying thought since Mexico has so few environmental controls and so you're gonna be exposed to their crappy air, but if if that's better than uh, conventionally grown U.S. produce, that's a terrible statement about what we've allowed. Isn't that awful? I know. Of course, we, we don't consider glyphosate to be a problem, so we don't worry about it. We don't even test it. The EPA hasn't even bothered to test for glyphosate, except for, as far as I know, only one time, and I think it was in 2012, maybe, and it was due to Anthony, Anthony Samsel's efforts that they uh, tested soy. They tested like 300 samples of soy for glyphosate. They found it in like, they found glyphosate in over 90% and it was 96% of the soy had either glyphosate or AMPA, which is a toxic breakdown product of glyphosate. So basically it's all over the soy. So they did that and then they haven't met, bothered to test anything else because they think it's safe. So they don't worry about it. All right, so let's go to the original question, which is what other diseases are, um, in your opinion, very clearly linked to massive amounts of glyphosate the U.S. is allowing on our crops? It's a huge list. So let me start with Alzheimer's and autism for sure. And then there are certain cancers that are going up dramatically exactly in step, pancreatic cancer, bladder cancer, thyroid cancer. I think breast cancer is connected. It's, it's more complicated as far as the uh, epidemiology because we've had this uh, 
problem with the hormones. You know, hormone replacement therapy has kind of messed up the numbers on breast cancer. But I believe glyphosate is causing breast cancer. It was shown to uh, cause breast cancer cells grown in vitro to proliferate uh, at tiny, tiny amounts. It was parts per trillion co concentration of glyphosate exposure to these in vitro breast cancer cells, and it caused them to proliferate. And a more recent study has found two different proteins that were upregulated in, in response to glyphosate in breast cancer cells, both of which are indicators of a, of a more toxic form of breast cancer. In other words, it's causing them to produce proteins that are indicators of more aggressive cancer. It's an indicator that it's causing the cancer to be more aggressive. Um, so breast cancer, there's uh, also some strange diseases like chronic fatigue syndrome, um, and there's uh, eosinophilic esophagitis, which was not a disease until after glyphosate was on the market. I think it's causing that. Um, acid reflux, you know, GERD, um, liver, uh, fatty liver disease, uh, diabetes. Diabetes matches extremely well. Obesity is another one that matches extremely well. I think it's causing both of those. I think it's causing high serum LDL and increasing your risk to cardiovascular problems. Um, uh, ALS, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, Parkinson's disease, of course, cancers like a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which has been successful in a lot of lawsuits. I think there are probably other cancers that are also being caused. Uh, colon cancer is another one that's going up dramatically. I think glyphosate is causing that. Um, metabolic syndrome, which is sort of a, uh, a catch-all phrase for a whole bunch of different issues, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, um, obesity, you know, it's kind of a, um, they've named this thing metabolic syndrome, which is a risk factor for diabetes and heart disease. Um, I, think, I think glyphosate is the explanation for why we have an epidemic in metabolic syndrome. So it's basically causing, I think, pretty much everything. Also sleep disorder. There's also uh, congenital defects like heart defects in the, in the baby. We did a study. Uh, I published a paper together with Nancy Swanson and Judy Hoy. Uh, very, uh, it was a fun project. Judy is an expert on animals, uh, wild animals uh, out west, and she has collected a lot of data on their health issues and showing a lot of defective, um, t you know, showing um, liver disease and, and um, heart problems, lots of different issues with, the, um, with these wild animals. And we correlated them with conditions in human babies that are going up dramatically. Um, there's a hypospadia problem, which is something to do with a penis not being uh, produced correctly. That's also going up in step with glyphosate usage. I think uh, reproductive issues, uh, both female and male uh, reproductive problems, infertility. Uh, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. I've got a very good explanation for how it would cause that. Also, sudden infant death syndrome. I mean, it's basically a huge list. Wow. If it's SIDS, then it has to be related to the the glyphosate coming through the mother, through the umbilical yes. cord. Yes, right. Because you don't have a whole lot of time living on the planet to in eat any foods that would be even be particularly contaminated with glyphosate. So that just goes to show you that we, um, if the, a young mother should really be preparing for uh, gestation by eating an organic diet. Absolutely. In fact, there's some really interesting papers that have come out very recently, just within the last year, uh, where people are exposing uh, pregnant rats or pregnant mice to glyphosate in small doses through their pregnancy, and then sometimes including their lactation period when the, when the pups are nursing. And then they don't expose the pups directly ever to the glyphosate. And, uh, and low doses, so there isn't any obvious problem with the pups, but once they grow up and have pups, and then there's even the third generation, you start to see issues that it has actually affected the, um, the germ cells of the fetus, which is going to then show up in the next generation. So these pups had trouble 
uh, with pre uh, pregnancy. They had inflamed placenta, they had uh, shortened gestation, they had small, um, they're, they're, and they had more defects, like an increased number of genetic mutations that were causing severe deformities in the, in the offspring. What is the smoking gun that is causing these huge judgments against Monsanto? I mean, I think that's going to change everything. I wouldn't be surprised if Monsanto goes bankrupt. Of course, it's been acquired by Bayer, and I don't know if they can absorb that. But now there's people lining up to sue Monsanto after these two huge judgments. And I even see Facebook ads of law firms advertising for people who maybe had a lot of exposure to the stuff they spray on the grass, like uh, people who work in landscaping or whatever. Like what what caused that, that, that in a courtroom, it was so obvious that I think you mentioned non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is yes. the one. Why, why is it so clear that it was caused by glyphosate that these people won gangster money? That is an excellent question. And I was actually surprised. I was sort of skeptical that they were going to be able to win those uh, because they've done a good job of suppressing the information about the link between glyphosate and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, so I was really delightfully surprised that they were winning these lawsuits. I think the evidence was really overwhelming in the, um, in the specific cases, because these were people who had had accidents. They were people who sprayed Roundup routinely and then had accidents where it was spilled on their, like, for example, the first one. You know, he, was a, he actually sprayed Roundup in schoolyards, which is quite frightening in California. And um, that was his job. And, uh, and his sprayer misbehaved. And so he sometimes, you know, a couple times, he really got sprayed by, directly, directly hit with the glyphosate on his skin. And so it was very clear and that was the only chemical he was using. He wasn't using anything else. So there wasn't sort of another, often with the farmers, you can say, well, they're exposed to all kinds of chemicals. So who knows which one, you know, you can sort of get glyphosate off the hook that way. Because the farmers, of course, are getting, uh, they're getting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I think it's probably, um, glyphosate's a contributor, but they have these other chemicals as well. So it's more complicated there. But these uh, lawsuits were all basically individuals who were using glyphosate um, only and no other chemicals. And so that became very compelling. And one was a couple where both of them got the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. So you think about the probability of, of both of them getting it, you know, is so low in the abstract. I think the jury was just persuaded by, by that kind of evidence. And there have been papers that have linked glyphosate to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with statistically significant links. So they do have that as part of the evidence. Yeah, what's so crazy is that, um... Many years ago, the U.S. finally became aware of how deadly, I think it's malathion, was. And somewhere on this show, 100 episodes ago, I mentioned that my father um, grew up spraying here in Utah, spraying the family's cherry orchards. My great-grandfather had cherry orchards. Wow. Wow. And, and he would... Um, in the summertime, you know, they didn't know anything about the effect that these chemicals would have. And he and my uncle would spray the cherry orchards. And my, my father said that countless times he would turn and get sprayed full in the face and literally oh, wow. swallow mouthfuls of malathion. And here my dad is, um, not that this proves anything, but my father is, I want to say 76. He still runs six miles a day. Uh, yeah, six great. days a week. And and so here we are, we've banned malathion, but then we just have, until now with these judgments, we've turned the other way on glyphosate, which probably is even far more deadly than malathion ever, ever was. I mean, one more question for you, and then we're going to bring you back for another um, chat about vaccines, which okay. is this in, incendiary topic that I haven't touched until now. But um, I'm excited to talk to you about vaccines as well. But I um, just moved and 
I was looking for carpet and I went in to buy wool carpet and the the salesperson didn't want to sell me the wool carpet. She wanted to sell me this this carpet made of corn. She said, mm-hmm. it's made of corn and, and you know, it's it's not made of the petrochemicals because I was saying, the pe- I don't want petrochemical carpet that off-gasses and is going to kill my cat and it's going to off-gas for years. And she's like, no, this is made of corn and it's really great. And, and so she goes over and shows it to me and I messaged Andy Pace, who I mm-hmm. have, uh, he's a environmental uh, toxins expert as well. I believe I've um, interviewed him on this show before. And I said to him, hey, Andy, what do you think of this line of carpet supposedly made of corn? I mean, I'm sure it's genetically modified corn or whatever. And he said, Robin, that is made by DuPont. And I'm like, got it. Got it. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Because if there's if there's a number two to if there's a number two to most evil company on the planet to Monsanto, it's got to be DuPont. So absolutely oh my yeah that's scary and i should say by the way i suspect there's glyphosate in the um, gasoline because the gasoline is now 10 percent ethanol and t- trump has just passed a ruling it needs to go up to 15 percent ethanol and um, ethanol is derived from uh, gmo roundup ready corn so i suspect there's glyphosate in the in the uh, gasoline which is a pretty horrendous thought because if a car is uh Glyphosate does not break down at high temperature, that not at the level of the combustion engine. So the glyphosate, I think, is going to be vaporized into the air on the highway. A paper from California recently came out and showed a correlation between living, um, ne- living near a highway and, um, and autism and also correlation between living near agricultural fields and autism. Both of those have been, have been demonstrated in California. Well, and so probably we also have the emissions from airplanes and chemtrails uh, to be concerned about too. Yeah. I mean, of course the the gasoline has a lot of other toxic things in it as well. All those nanoparticles are very toxic. So it's not just the glyphosate. Before Facebook started shutting down pages, they've shut down well over a thousand public figure and business pages who dare to speak up about vaccine safety issues. Before that happened, um, a couple of years ago, I posted a story about how certain um, wines and another time vaccines that have 25 times uh, what's considered to be a safe level of glyphosate. I don't know if there's a safe level of glyphosate, but anyways, I posted it and people were just rampantly unfollowing and calling me a baby killer and, and unfollowing. It. Oh, amazing, isn't it? I don't understand how people get so upset about being told about glyphosate. They need to be aware and they need to act quickly to protect their family, you know, with the organic diet and, uh, paying attention to the environment, making sure their neighbors aren't using it on their lawn. I mean, you really have to be aggressive about trying to protect your family from glyphosate. Yeah, I've gone out and asked my neighbor if he knows when he's sitting there squirting Roundup on the perimeter right next to my property, asked about that. I've sold my house and moved, sold the house that I raised my four children in because at the top of the street, they leased uh, four acres to a tomato farmer who started spraying it with glyphosate. They just sold, sold my home that I had um, designed and built and raised my children in and up and moved rather than have to breathe that and, and, you know, have that in our groundwater. I mean, I'm sure that I'm not getting entirely away from it by any means, but I wasn't going to stay there and, and uh, put up with that. And sadly that it's, it was a person who, um, whose husband had died of uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Oh, that's so ironic, isn't it? That's just really sad. I wish people would wake up. I mean, people need to 
we've got to wake up everybody if we have any hope for the future, I think. I agree. And so in addition to buying organic, I just mentioned the carpet story to to sort of tee up this question. What other products, if, if you just could mention three or four things that would be very high impact people could do in their lifestyle to decrease their exposure to glyphosate, what would those things be? It's a big one for women, young women, uh, tampons. Tampons are contaminated with glyphosate and you really have to buy organic tampons. Wow. So so just as long as it's organic, you're solid. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't guarantee that organic wouldn't have it too, but obviously it should have a lot less. And that is a really scary thing. And I think that may be contributing both to PCOS. I mentioned that earlier, polycystic ovary syndrome, which is associated with uh, infertility and uh, reproductive issues. The tampons are likely to be a causal factor. And um, breast cancer in, in young women. Younger women are getting breast cancer much more than they used to. Um, Premenopausal breast cancer is going up, and then that could be connected as well, I think. A um, couple more products or things to avoid that you yeah. think are high impact. Well, so the clothing, too. You know, if you think about cotton clothing, and I always bought, bought cotton for my children because it was a natural product, but uh, cotton is very toxic. It's not only got glyphosate, it's got the BT you know, gene um, insecticide built into it, and uh, they use a lot of toxic chemicals on cotton. So I really wonder about cotton clothing. I, I would encourage people to buy, especially for their infant, to buy organic cotton t-shirts and whatnot for their children, for their infants. And I, you know, diapers, if you think about diapers are, are, are cotton. So organic diapers, I haven't even looked into that. But, uh, you know, I have to think about what's, uh, what the skin of your children is being exposed to. And we have an epidemic in uh, eczema. I mean, that's another one that I think is connected to glyphosate. Um, from the cotton clothing. So we have not just the food. I think, it, of course, it's in the vaccines. We'll mention that uh, in the next section, but um, it's in lots of foods. I mean, really have to uh, watch out for those foods that are sprayed right before harvest. I think there are even higher levels there than in the ones that are GMO Roundup ready. Yeah, we've sort of touched on that, but just to put a fine point on it, what, what Dr. Seneff is talking about is the fact that you know, you spray with insecticide at some point earlier in the plant's growth, but she's saying with oats, wheat, um, and these legumes she mentioned, lentils, peas, chickpeas, um, there's a second spraying to use it as a desiccant to dry it out. And that's become very popular. And so those are crops that are extra important to buy organic, I believe you said. Yes? That's right. Absolutely. Even though they're not GMO. So if you see non-GMO on, on an oat Based product that's not good enough you know it's probably loaded with glyphosate well this has been such an interesting conversation if you're wanting to learn more about dr stephanie seneff's work uh there are lots of people who have also interviewed her very well and so just google her at stephanie seneff s-e-n-e-f-f and you'll learn more about her work at mit and um, many other interviews that she's done. And one more question for you, Dr. Seneff. What are you working on that you're excited about these days? I'm working very hard lately on a, on a book on glyphosate. And I have a contract with Chelsea Green. I'm looking forward to getting that book out. It's going to be a while, probably sometime next year. Hopefully it will show up on, on the market. And I hope that people will be encouraged to read it. I'm trying to make it accessible to the general public, but there's a lot of science in it. So that's a difficult task, but um, I'm doing the best I can with that. Well, very exciting. Let me know when it publishes so I can help you get the word out. And thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that you found this conversation with Dr. Seneff about the issues of glyphosate in the environment, but also just the buildup in human tissues and what the risks are to us. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. I want to call attention to the fact that she mentioned that fulvic and humic acids are known to be great 
detoxifiers, um, helping increase the permeability of cell membranes, helping detoxify the body on a cellular level and on an organ level. And the Green Smoothie Girl product, Ultimate Minerals, is concentrated fulvic and humic acid. If you haven't tried it yet, it is our most purchased and most repurchased product. It's the one supplement I would take if I could only take one. It's the supplement I never travel without. And you can get it um, at greensmoothiegirl.com slash ultimate minerals. It's far more than just all of the minerals and trace minerals. Um, when I started using it, my hair started growing faster and thicker. It has remained that way for almost 10 years now. It's absolutely amazing. And it supplies the neurological system. It helps me sleep better. It helps me have more energy during the day. I use it in water before bed. And when I wake up in the morning, a dropper full, it is black like the earth where it came from, but it is organic and it is as concentrated as you can get it. Go ahead and use the coupon code five off all in caps five off to get five dollars off and ultimate minerals also because it's so important to address the amount of glyphosate that we all have in our bodies uh, dr senef mentioned that she's not as optimistic as jeffrey smith is um, based on some research that you can bring levels way down in the body because she says there's damage there's folded proteins and and misfiring proteins in the body which cause all kinds of problems. While that's true, there's also some really hopeful evidence that by uh, eating very, very clean and optimizing your detoxification pathways, you can bring the measurable amount of glyphosate uh, in your body way down. I want to invite you into my very special video uh, masterclass on human detoxification, how to do it safely and quickly and in a guided way. It's free for you right now to jump into the video masterclass at greensmoothiegirl.com slash detox. So again, get five off with a coupon that says five off in all caps on Ultimate Minerals at greensmoothiegirl.com slash Ultimate Minerals. And these links will be in the show notes. And jump in on the video masterclass about detoxing to bring the levels of glyphosate in your own body way down, you and your family at greensmoothiegirl.com slash detox. See you next time. 